You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Healthcare Insight. This is Ron Bachman on America's Web Radio. We've been talking for the last number of weeks about how we can help create a private free market insurance that would cover pre-existing conditions, guaranteed issue, lower the cost of health care, improve access to care, and increase quality. It's just a number of steps that can be taken that are logical, that are easy to do, might require some legislation, but it's a replacement of Obamacare. It's a program that can provide every Republican, every elected official, every conservative, every citizen out there who's concerned about one of the major issues in the upcoming 2020 election, health care. Most people don't fully appreciate that Obamacare was basically a health insurance reform. It wasn't really about health care. So the way we change the market, the way we start to change the market, because there's so many aspects to it, is to change the health insurance market. And in order to do that, there are several things that are proposals that we've discussed. We've referred to as MAGA Health. There are several things that it does. It helps to reform the individual marketplace. It helps to reform the small group marketplace. It intends to replace federal government subsidies for insurance with employer subsidies of insurance because employers want to provide insurance. They can provide some level of subsidy. They just don't necessarily, as especially small groups under 50 lives, want to fully commit themselves to an expensive additional employee benefit before their company gets started. Now, the good news is that the Republican Study Committee, conservative group of Republicans in the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, has put together its own proposal on health care reform so that there will be something the Republicans can do leading up to the 2020 election. Now, let me go through and talk about some of these items. There are a number of issues that I want to go through the document. I printed it out, and I want to highlight some of the areas, and I give some commentary and provide some insight as to what I think might work, how it would differ from MAGA Health, and how it might add some additional um, uh, beneficial segments to MAGA Health. Well, the Republican Study Committee Health Care Plan says that the RSC, the Republican Study Committee, the RSC, offers a sustainable solution that would still provide protections for those Americans with pre-existing conditions without sacrificing the quality of care. So they are focusing on the right issues. They are talking about how do we help people with pre-existing conditions. I think that's the number one issue for most Americans. The RSC plan envisions an individual marketplace in which the government no longer makes healthcare decisions for each American, but rather each individual is empowered with greater control over their own healthcare choices and resources. It's a great start. But keep in mind as we go through this, the main thing that the Republican Study Committee proposal does is focus on the individual market. That's a great start. It needs to be reformed. 
But in my opinion, what MAGA Health does is goes another step and says we need to reform the individual and small group marketplace. That's where the working poor don't have coverage in the small group marketplace and that we have employers out there willing to provide some level of subsidy. On average, as we've talked about in previous sessions, small employers under 50 lives will subsidize about 75% of the cost of individual health insurance for their worker and about 50 to 60% of the cost of family coverage. Isn't that a much better solution than having the federal government subsidize or as the Republican Study Committee program tries to do, encourage more people to buy individual policies and they really don't have a focus on the small group marketplace. But it's a great start. What they say in the report is that the Republican Study Committee plan designed to reward responsibility, reduce barriers to continuously maintaining insurance, and three, to provide a broader array of affordable options, all laudable characteristics, all great goals. It says to accomplish these goals, it's necessary to, one, transform the individual marketplace current regulatory structure. It's mainly structured by state laws pre-Obamacare, and then you overlay that with federal laws. So it does want to uh, change those, transform those laws, so that we can reduce some of the regulatory burden on individual insurance policies. Two, wants to unwind the Affordable Care Act's Washington-centric approach. That is sort of the one-size-fits-all. We're going to lay down all the groundworks and uh, we're going to establish what the rules are for everybody uh, from Washington, D.C., And three, largely return regulatory authority to individual states. So put it back in the individual states where each state has an elected or an appointed insurance commissioner. So the Republican Study Committee plan would eliminate the Affordable Care Act's community rating. That's been a disaster that everybody has to be in sort of a single risk pool. So if you're doing something that is healthier, If you're doing something more for your employees or as individuals, you're joining a health club, you're eating better, you're following doctor's orders, it doesn't matter. You don't get a break in your premium because everybody is in what they call community rating or single risk pool. Age banding, we've talked about that in previous sessions under MAGA Health, doing away with what's called age compression, where you only have a three-to-one ratio between the lowest and the highest when it really actuarially and in practical terms is a five-to-one ratio. So what it's done is increase the cost of people at the lower end of and the ages of 20 to 25. And so it raises those premiums in order to lower the premiums for the older folks. The RNC plan, in the RNC plan, individuals with high-risk medical conditions would have affordable access to state-run guaranteed coverage pools. This is kind of like the high-risk pools. And I'm not a big fan of the way the RSC has structured these. They've at least gone back to the high-risk pool, given another name. But they really, at this point, have not structured it as we did with our descriptions of MAGA Health, how to offer alternative plans, and how really to take those high-risk individuals and not put them into individual plans, but to put them into group plans. 
so that they get the same benefits, the same vendors, the same services that are offered up to large self-insured employers. I don't think the RSC really understands that there are two separate parts to any insurance company, one offering individual policies and one offering group policies. And they don't have the same capabilities. They don't have the same services. They don't have the same contracts. They don't have the same discounts. They don't have the same provider networks. And so if you really want to help people in this state-run guaranteed coverage pool, which I call impaired health support group, you would actually put them into in, into group plans, not into individual policies. Separately, the RSC plan would ensure states receive federal grants designed to assist the states in flexibility and in providing low-income individuals with access to affordable coverage. Well, what they're really getting at here is they will take some of the funds that are currently involved in the ACA uh, exchanges and uh, Medicaid expansion, and will take those funds and provide them to the states so the states can then subsidize some of these high-risk pools that are now calling the um, guaranteed coverage pool. Great way to do it. Great way to bring in federal funds in order to help the states to take people who uh, might be high cost. As we've also discussed, high risk is not necessarily high cost if people are stabilized themselves and taking their medication. So at least they're moving in the right direction and trying to find a way to create an affordable program for people who are otherwise uninsurable. So, The accumulated effect of all these changes would result in Americans being provided with more insurance choices that are personalized to their needs and available at affordable rates. Those we wouldn't have the one-size-fits-all federal government um, ACA design with minimum standards. The states would establish what the minimum coverage standards would be, and there'd be a lot more flexibility in choices. There's some new creative ideas that we'll talk about in the next segments of this program on how individuals might, while they're healthy or maintaining their health, buy uh, higher deductible, lower cost plans, uh, provide some HSA coverage underneath that for expenses they might have, uh, do concierge services underneath that for uh, uh, normal uh, office visits, doctor visits, uh, personalized care from primary care physicians, or even buy some special insurance that says, okay, I'll buy a high deductible plan because I'm healthy now, but should I become unhealthy in the future and I need more comprehensive coverage, I'll buy an insurance policy that will allow me to make that change to upgrade my uh, my insurance. So there's a number of very creative ideas that are coming out of the um, Republican Study Committee. Well, we're going to talk about portability in more detail as we uh, move forward here. But let's define portability before we take our break. Enhancing portability coverage is really one of the cornerstones of the Republican Study Committee approach in neutralizing the issue of pre-existing conditions. Notice if you have coverage that is portable, you won't have a break in coverage, you won't become uninsured. But what is portability? Well, the term refers to the ability of an insured individual to carry their insurance protections with them. Now, since the focus of the RSC is about uh, the individual marketplace, what does that really mean about portability? If you buy an individual policy, don't you just have it as an individual and it goes with you? Well, no. The reality is that many people move from state to state since 
the individual policy market is controlled by states and what's allowed and what's offered and what networks are available, what insurance companies are approved to operate in that state. If you move from state to state, change uh, your um, your location of where you want to live, it may very well be that you cannot continue with your individual insurance policy. So there has to be some mechanism in the insurance marketplace to allow for that portability from state to state. And that's what the uh, Republican Study Committee proposal is um, emphasizing and supporting. So there's a real focus on pre-existing conditions. That's great. We need to have that. We need to focus on the individual marketplace. And my only comment as we move forward here in the next segments is that I think what the RSC is missing is an emphasis on doing some of the same changes, the same flexibilities, the same support for small group coverage in the under 50 employee marketplace. That's the most critical area where most of the uninsured are and what I call the working poor, although they're not necessarily poor. You can make a pretty good living working for a small group. So let's take a break now and let's come back and we'll talk about other aspects of the Republican Study Committee that's just out last week. And so there'll be a lot of discussion about it. Uh, there's more to come out from them. This is part one. We'll have a part two, and maybe part two will include the small group marketplace. We'll have to wait and see. But let's talk about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the current proposal. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. Well, welcome back to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Bachman, and we'll continue to go through the Republican Study Committee proposal that was just out last week. So this is kind of hot news, and it's a, an example of how Republicans are beginning to think more seriously about replacing Obamacare and how, using conservative principles, Republican ideals, Republican goals to reach everybody with better products, more choices, lower costs, better access, and higher quality, how we can do that in a free market situation. Now, so far, we've described a number of changes to the individual marketplace, and that's really the focus on the Republican Study Committee report, at least in this phase one. 
We still have yet to see phase two, but there's nothing in phase one that sort of indicates that they're going to do anything for the small group marketplace. And that's really where I believe a lot of emphasis needs to be put because that's where the working poor are. That's where the employer subsidies can be. So we just described in the last segment of this program uh, portability and why the portability issue is so important and why people can change from job to job, from state to state, and they still need to continue with their individual insurance policy. Or that one company is not doing the right kinds of services or the premiums have gone up too substantially and they want to change to another individual insurance policy. Well, pre-Obamacare, that was nearly impossible because you would likely have some pre-existing conditions for many of those folks that would preclude them from actually being able to change. So they're kind of locked in to whatever insurance policy they do originally, and that's not the best situation for people to have ongoing coverage that they feel comfortable with. So let's talk about in the pre-ACA framework of health insurance, it left this gap in portability as to how to make it effective and to get it accomplished in the way that consumers are benefiting. So while it largely provided portability pre-Obamacare and coverage going into a job from job to job and from job to the individual marketplace, it did not reward individuals who maintain insurance with any portability protections when they moved within the individual marketplace. Those are the issues we've just been talking about. So in other words, if a person sought to change carriers within the individual marketplace, he or she could be denied coverage because of their health status. That's not the best situation, and the Republicans are trying to overcome that with the Republican Study Committee proposal. But because changes in individual circumstances can happen unexpectedly, the Republican Study Committee plan would give individuals the flexibility to move within the private market. Fantastic. That's what needs to get done. They're focusing on some key issues. May not be all the issues that I would like at this point. May not be in the way that I like. But I do like the fact that they're addressing the issues and trying to come up with some creative ideas and thoughts. So how do we do this? Well, first, on the Republican Study Committee plan, movement into individual marketplace from the employer marketplace would be facilitated by ensuring that individuals do not need to exhaust their COBRA coverage. Under current law, you if you're moving from an employer plan to an individual marketplace and you want continuity of coverage, you want guaranteed issue of that individual policy, you have to go through what may be a very expensive, more coverage than you want, COBRA from your employer. So, don't do away with that as an obstacle and let people buy directly into the purchase of individual policies when they leave an employer plan. Secondly, when a person is moving from an employer plan into an individual marketplace or switching individual plans, they would receive the same coverage protections afforded to a person enrolling in employer-sponsored coverage under pre-Obamacare, I get this, HIPAA laws. Now, I know that's confusing because now what's HIPAA laws? Well, let me try to explain it in other words. Everyone seeking coverage in the individual marketplace would have guaranteed issue protections and could not be refused a plan based on the enrollee's health status, 
medical condition, claims experience, receipt of health care, medical history, genetic information, evidence of insurability, or any disability. That's what that really meant. However, if a person does not have 12 months of continuous coverage with their employer or with a previous individual policy or some sort of coverage, the person could be subject to an exclusion period of up to 12 months for an existing condition. Now, if they had coverage for six months, then that would be offsetting against 12 months, and they would have coverage after six months. If they had continuous coverage previously for nine months, they might be excluded for three months. Now, those exclusion periods and those limitations could be determined very much by the individual states under the way the RSC is being proposed. But that's the baseline that they're talking about. 12 months of continuous coverage in order to be able to be picked up on all your conditions, on any pre-existing condition. Otherwise, you have to wait a little while until that 12-month of continuous coverage is satisfied. Critically, the parameters of the RSC plan would simply serve as guardrails in the individual marketplace and would not in any way hinder states from shortening those continuous coverage requirements. So as I just said, the individual marketplace can be altered based upon what individual states want to do. Some states might uh, do less, but they're saying you can't do more than 12 months. That's really what HIPAA requires in the marketplace for self-insured plans, for example. So now we have an approach. We have some specific ideas. Uh, can we put in the legislation in order to do that? And they're consumer-oriented on the issues of portability. So to ensure that ample options exist for Americans to possess continuous coverage, short-term, limited-duration plans would count towards that continuous coverage. So if you went out and bought a one-year short-term coverage and then you went into a full coverage plan, you would get the recognition that you had some level of coverage, even if it was a short-term plan. Additionally, the RSC plan would codify the Department of Health and Human Services' new rule allowing short-term, limited-duration plans to last for a term of one year with renewals up to 36 months. So if that's what you need, you're between jobs or you've just started a business and you're self-employed, you want some individual coverage, you're willing to take a short-term policy maybe it's a high deductible, so you have some coverage for a catastrophe, then that coverage uh, would count, and you can renew that up to 36 months. So let's talk in the last few minutes here of this segment about what I think is the most important part of helping the people who need it the most, that is the uninsured, the uninsurables, that are in the guaranteed coverage pool as described under the RSC plan. Well, the RSC plan would provide federal funding for states to supplement the medical costs of eligible high-risk individuals. Again, I don't like the term high-risk individuals. Nobody likes to be identified as high-risk. I've called that the impaired health support group. I much prefer that term, but be that as it may, we're at least moving in the right direction with the RSC plan of identifying a new term rather than calling it a high-risk pool, they call it a guaranteed coverage pool. The RSC plan refers to this mechanism as a guaranteed coverage pool. These federally subsidized, federally funded state-administered pools 
would provide premium stability in the individual marketplace, ensure that individuals with high-cost illnesses have access to affordable health care, and serve as a means of providing portability protections for individuals who have maintained continuous coverage. A couple of points here. Good, bad. I like the idea that we're back focusing on people who are in most need, the people with the impaired health, the uninsurables, putting them into a subsidized pool. It's the only way to bring down the premium is to give some state and federal subsidy targeted towards those high-cost individuals. And at the same time, pulling them out of the risk pool for the individual marketplace, thus lowering the premiums for everybody else who buys into the individual marketplace. So it's a great approach, a great start. I think there's so much more that we've described and a better way of actually doing this by combining that aspect in both the individual and small group marketplace. But again, uh, we're starting to move in the right direction with Republican study committee proposals. The RSC plan would not require the federal government to operate a guaranteed coverage pool if a state chooses not to do it. So there's no requirement like under Obamacare if you don't set up a uh, federal exchange uh, at the state level, uh, state exchange, then the federal government would actually set up an exchange. There's no requirement to do that. But it would simply make funding available for states that do set up a guaranteed coverage pool. And I don't know why a state would not. It makes sense. It's free market. It um, gives more choice, the options, and the federal dollars are there to help out. It's much better use of federal dollars than the subsidies under Obamacare. So the RSC plan offers true flexibility to states to operate a guaranteed coverage pool designed by them to best meet their citizens' needs. For example, states could choose to administer a guaranteed coverage pool resembling a traditional high-risk pool. Prior to the ACA, more than 30 states operated such pools. Alternatively, states would have the flexibility to implement other innovative models to stabilize and reduce premiums within their borders. Well, maybe that's the opening for the bag of health that we've been describing and discussing here, that there's a better way to do this than the traditional high-risk pools. I only wish that some state legislators or some healthcare influencer uh, that really has some, uh, some sway with elected officials at state levels across the country might happen upon some of these videos and realize that MAGA Health actually does everything and more that would be uh, allowed under the Republican Study Committee proposals. So the RSC plans individual marketplace portability, as we've been describing, and the protections through the implementation of the guaranteed coverage pool um, would make a significant change in the marketplace from where we are in Obamacare. Accordingly, the coverage pool would have to do a couple of things. One, provide immediate access to a plan and prohibit conditions excluded for individuals who have maintained 12 months of continuous coverage. We talked about that continuous coverage issue. It can be offset in a number of ways, um, but you have to have at least 12 months of continuous coverage to go into that, that pool. Two, there would be a cap on any condition, exclusion period, there would be no cap on any exclusions uh, after 12 months. And three, 
It would reduce any exclusions month for month for individuals with less than 12 months of continuous coverage. So 12 months, there's no exclusions. If you had continuous coverage someplace else for three months and a limited policy, you had a group policy with an employer and then you left, uh, you would do, do a month-to-month offset before you get to full coverage after 12 months of continuous coverage. So consequently, everyone with an existing condition who is seeking coverage in the individual marketplace would be provided a pathway to obtain complete coverage for all of their conditions within just 12 months. Well, we've come to the end of this segment. It goes fast when we're trying to explain something. I hope there's not too much detail here. We're actually getting into some of the meat of what the Republican Study Committee is, how it relates to MAGA health, and how it actually has some new ideas, has some good ideas. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about the Republican Study Committee proposal a little bit further. You're listening to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. I'm Ron Bachman on America's Web Radio. We've been talking about the Republican Study Committee proposal that just was out last week and some of the issues around portability, around their guaranteed coverage, their current version of a high-risk pool, how they provide more state flexibility. Now, in this segment, let's talk about some of the other issues. Let's talk about, in particular, one of the biggest issues, probably debatable issues, on both sides of the issue, whether you're a conservative or liberal, Republican or Democrat, there's a lot of controversy, and there always has been, around the tax benefits that are provided to both individual and group plans. They're very different and drive very different activities, very different motivations, very different levels of personal responsibility, and there's a lot of opinion involved in whether to allow the same tax advantages to individual policies that would match up with group policies or remove the group policy incentives uh, to make those after-tax dollars just like they are with individual plans. So a sustainable health care plan, as is written in the Republican Study Committee, aims to address the long-existing systemic problems that existed and predated Obamacare. One such area as we've just mentioned, in need of reform is the inequitable way in which health insurance expenditures are treated under antiquated tax laws. The Republican Study Committee plan would remedy the relevant tax code flaws that further facilitate personalized, portable, and continuous coverage in the individual marketplace. So this most notable flaw in the tax code as it relates to health care is the inequitable treatment between employer-sponsored and individually purchased health insurance. A person choosing to purchase individual health insurance either has the payment for those premiums come out pre-income or post-income after taxes, 
we have to figure out which way is going to be best. There are many out there who feel that by having the tax advantages of the group plans, of the employer-sponsored plans, that the individuals don't really understand the full cost because some of the cost is offset with tax advantages. That the individuals don't really have ownership because the employer is a third-party sponsor of the plan. It's not between the doctor and a patient. you got this third-party employer and the insurance companies that are involved with the healthcare decision-making and where the dollars are actually coming from. And in my opinion, there's an argument on both sides. Healthcare is so important, just like housing, that we ought to allow people to use pre-tax dollars to cover that. It's important that it be affordable, and making it more affordable means doing it without taxes. When you receive an employer-sponsored coverage, the dollars that an employer spends on your health insurance is not taxable to you. You get the benefit of it not being taxable under the federal tax code for income, under the state tax code for income, and there's no payroll tax that would be applied to that. So if you're a lower income, you get multiple benefits. The employer also benefits because they don't pay payroll taxes on those costs. They do have the cost because they're paying for uh, the subsidy. They're making a contribution towards their employees' health care. But they're saving by not uh, paying payroll taxes on top of it as well. They're the employer's share of that. So, in my mind, there are two arguments that are competing. I happen to favor making everything tax-advantaged. The Republican Study Committee kind of goes around the corner on this and says, no, let's don't make that tax advantage. But then they come back and they offer an alternative so that the individual marketplace actually can have some tax advantages because they're going to ultimately be promoting HSAs on a much broader basis than they're available today. And HSA dollars used to pay premiums basically are tax-free dollars that the employer puts up and that employees can match. So there is a way basically of making it what I would like to see, a tax advantage purchase of health insurance. So when you're doing all this, as I just mentioned, the employer does not have to pay payroll taxes on the benefit, nor does the employee pay payroll or other federal or state income taxes on the benefit of health insurance when you're getting it through an employer plan. That is a great way for small employers to provide a benefit that's really beneficial to the health and well-being of that employee and their family and do it in a tax-advantaged way. For many years, the federal government and the bureaucrats up there would like to tap into that tax-deductible advantage. They see hundreds of millions of dollars flowing into the federal coffers if you take away the tax advantage from employer health insurance. I don't think that's going to offset deficit. I don't think that's going to improve our federal government. It's just going to mean higher taxes for everybody all around. But I understand that many advocates of reform, many conservatives in their advocate for reform, feel that everything needs to be taxed so that employees buying policies as individuals then can fully understand the cost and therefore reduce their utilization of services. I don't think people actually utilize services that they don't need. That's a rare circumstance. We try to avoid going to the doctor. We try to avoid going to the hospital. We want to use telemedicine. We want to use concierge services. We want to be able to go to our doctor 
for checkups. We want to do preventive care services. So I think the idea that just because I got to pay more money, I'm now going to be able to negotiate as an individual a lower cost or that I'm going to change my behaviors. What really changes behaviors is better incentives and rewards, in my opinion, again, uh, for doing the right things and staying healthy. Uh, lower my deductible because I'm doing that. Give me more money into my HSA as a reward uh, for supporting a good, healthy behaviors. But this whole idea of the tax-exempt status is a big issue, and the RNC, uh, the RSC proposal uh, actually has a way of providing for that, even though it's a little bit of a backdoor approach. So the RSC plan proposes a more efficient system, in their opinion, that would provide equal tax treatment to the employer and the individual insurance markets. Now, unfortunately, when you look at it at the first glance, it's like let's take away the tax advantages of employer-sponsored plan where 160 million people are getting that advantage, and it's hard for Republicans to take away a tax deduction that they already have as part of their, uh, their basic philosophy of let's lower taxes. So the RSC plan would give individuals the ability to use health savings accounts or HSAs to pay for premiums in the individual marketplace. That's the workaround that I'm providing, that if you set up an HSA, you would have tax advantages for making premium payments on those insurance policies. And it does require you then to set up an HSA. So it does promote HSAs to a very strong extent in order to get the tax advantages that that would provide. The RSC plan would also preserve the existing above-the-line deduction for self-employed individuals who are basically buying individual policies. So they're kind of silent at this point about removing the tax advantages for the employer-based marketplace. I think they're getting a real big pushback if that, in fact, is what they're ultimately uh, designing. So as far as the health reimbursement arrangements instead of the HSAs, the HRAs, and many of you know the differences. We've talked about those in the past. HSAs are real dollars put up by employers, can be matched by employees. HRAs are promises that dollars are available if employees call on them. The employer makes those dollars available, but you can't take HRA dollars and put them in a bank account. It's on a ledger, if you will, called notional accounts that the employer maintains and uh, makes available to employees. So what the Republican Study Committee does is it uh, codifies the idea that you can use HRA dollars uh, to buy insurance and you can do it without having an underlying insurance plan where historically you used to have to have an insurance policy in order to have an HRA that was attached to it. You could not have an HRA only, but at the moment that is allowed because of a rewriting of the, um, the laws under HHS and the Trump administration, where the Obama administration said you can't do that. So the benefits to the individual and the individual health insurance marketplace from equalizing the tax treatment are these. First, the inequitable tax treatment of employer-sponsored insurance can cause an employee to forego valuable wages while being pushed into a plan that exceeds or does not match the needs of the individual. I understand that argument. I also think if an employer is subsidizing the care, they know their business, they're going to do everything they can to provide the coverages that their employees need to be healthy and on the job. The employees are the asset, the biggest personal asset 
in the company and the employer is trying to do everything they can to be sure all the resources are available to those employees to get them actively on the job and being productive. So the idea that the employer is giving them too much uh, coverage and care that they don't want, uh, many employers do have alternative plans, uh, multiple plans that are available. But most all of them include some level of comprehensive coverage to be sure that nobody winds up in bankruptcy court, nobody winds up with an undue burden of health care expenses. And so I think that's appropriate, but I can see the argument on both sides. Second, equalizing the tax treatment will pave the way for individuals to negotiate higher pay and pursue more affordable, personalized coverage in the individual marketplace. Well, again, I'm not sure individuals can really say, okay, you just lowered uh, your cost of providing me health insurance, now give me a pay raise. Uh, They don't really have that kind of a power as individuals. Uh, Maybe union plans can. Maybe it'll happen over time. But I don't think that that's... um, a realistic way to look at uh, a value of getting rid of the employer tax advantages uh, to ne- for individuals to negotiate higher pay. And then three, employees could also push for funds that would have gone towards an excessive employer-sponsored plan to be placed in full into their health savings account. In other words, any savings that the employer has by getting rid of a health insurance and promoting individual, just have them put that savings into an HSA that I, as an individual then can go buy my insurance. I just think that this is not practical at this point, given the marketplace. I don't think that, that the marketplace is ready to make these changes very easily or that they wouldn't even feel that it is logical. An employer wants to protect its employees, and they want to provide health insurance. It's been an effective way to provide insurance to 160 million people. The individual marketplace today provides coverage to maybe 10, 15 million people. And those are typically people who are between jobs. Uh, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of movement in that marketplace. It's not tremendously profitable for individual coverage, uh, for insurance companies to offer individual coverage. And so it's not promoted. Insurance agents don't make a lot of money by selling one-on-one policies. They prefer to sell and make a better living selling to group plans. That's why it's not been a big marketplace, and it's probably never going to be a big marketplace. So trying to move everybody into individual policies may be laudable from the portability, but there are alternative ways, as MAGA Health does, of trying to organize this thing where you have both individual and small group combined into that guaranteed coverage pool, or is what I call the um, Impaired Health Support Group. Well, we're at the end of another segment. Let's see if we can take a break, and we'll come back and wrap this up and talk about some of the other issues about the Republican um, Study Committee plan. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. 
Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Bachman, and we've been talking about the Republican Study Committee report and some of the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, parts of it, uh, trying to give some commentary and some thoughts and opinions on some of the aspects and details of the Republican Study Committee. In the last segment, we talked about health savings accounts and how important they are to this Republican Study Committee proposal and the expansion and the potential future growth of the individual uh, health insurance marketplace. So let's talk about how the Republican Study Committee uh, does what they call unleashing health savings accounts. So beyond allowing individuals to use health savings accounts to pay for health insurance premiums, the Republican Study Committee plan would enact a significant amount of reforms to expand the accessibility and the effectiveness of health savings accounts. In particular, the health, the Republican study committee would, one, eliminate the requirement that health savings accounts be tied to a high deductible plan. Under current law, you have to have a very specific, defined in federal law, what they call an HDHP, capitalized, high deductible health plan. It is, in fact, codified in legislation, and you cannot have a health savings account unless you have the high deductible health plan as defined by federal law. What the Republican Study Committee does is fantastic. It removes that plan design as a requirement. Secondly, it increases the health savings account maximum contributions. Again, in federal law, there's a limit on how much can be put into a health savings account each year for an individual and for a family. And by removing that, you can put much more money into the account that would be available to pay for health insurance premiums or health insurance costs that are generated that are not otherwise covered by your insurance premium. So again, supercharging HSAs, which has been a big target and direction of conservatives and Republicans for many years since HSAs were first initiated in the 2003 Medicare Modernization Act and began on January 1st, 2004. Third, they would expand the scope of eligible health care expenses under federal law. Again, it's prescribed that HSA dollars can only be used for certain types of expenses and it relates to whether or not they should be paid first out of the deductible, and then you have to wait before you use your HSA accounts or whether you can use your HSA accounts up front. That's been modified over years as companies have argued for 
using HSA dollars for preventive care services, and they've expanded the definition of what preventive care services are, particularly in the area of prescription drugs. So these three areas would supercharge the HSAs. So according to the RSC, it would eliminate the requirement to allow health savings accounts to be utilized even if a person does not have a health insurance plan. So that's another way. It would allow them to be sort of standalone HSA. So not only do you not need to have a high-deductible health plan, but you don't need to have any plan. What a great way to expand the use and value of HSAs. It's really the key to almost everything the Republican Study Committee wants to do to promote uh, individual insurance policy growth in this marketplace. So currently, the RSC plan uh, identifies that under current law in 2019, $3,500 may be contributed to a health savings account for an individual and $7,000 for a family. So the RSC goes even further than that 2018 proposed expansion and increases it to $9,000 for an individual and $18,000 for a family. Now, why did they do that? It's because according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, the average annual family premium per enrollee for employer-based health care in 2017 was a little over $18,000. So it puts us in line with being able to use all of your HSA dollars, if you so choose, to pay for the premiums on a pre-tax basis for an individual health insurance plan. So the health savings accounts would be able to pay, one, on this expansion of what it covers. They could pay for direct primary care, so not only for insurance, but for direct primary care. If you contracted with your doctor to pay a monthly fee, that would be allowed to be paid under HSA regulations changed under the Republican Study Committee. Uh, Two, um, you could also use it with the healthcare sharing ministries. Many of you are familiar with healthcare sharing ministries. It's not really insurance. It's sort of a mutual benefit society where if you have claims, people submit them, and then you get a bill uh, spread back among all the members uh, to help pay for the costs that are being generated by the members. So it's an after-the-fact premium, if you will, but it's not really considered an insurance premium. Therefore, HSAs are not allowed under those plans. They cannot offer an HSA-eligible plan under existing law. So under the RSC supercharging of HSAs, you could use uh, HSAs that you establish to pay for uh, expenses and those mutual uh, bills that you would get for the claims under a uh, healthcare ministry. Also, the um, RSC plan would allow working seniors or anyone on Medicare to have a health savings account and to contribute to it. Right now, as soon as you become eligible for Medicare, you can't uh, add to your HSA account. Now, if you had some from prior working years before you were eligible at 65 for Medicare, you can continue to use those funds but you can't add to them anymore. You kind of cut off at that point. And this would open up the door to use HSAs even if you are under Medicare. So lots of different ways you can expand it. You can even go a step further, as the proposal suggests, and that individuals enrolled in other public health insurance programs, such as those with TRICARE, Indian Health Services, or Veterans Benefits, would also be able to contribute to a health savings account. 
So the HSE plan really, I mean, the uh, RSC plan would allow for HSAs to be contributed in a number of ways at new levels to be able to cover new expenses. And so it really would expand, and I think very appropriately, it's a great idea of a way to expand HSAs. They have proven very valuable, and when it is your own money that you're spending for health care, you will look around for alternatives. You will be careful about utilizing services and support. That part is true of this whole approach, and it allows for the tax advantage dollars to be used to pay for premiums. Now, if they would only assure the use of incentives and rewards for whoever the risk-bearing entity is, if you're buying an insurance policy from an insurance company, an individual policy, and you're doing the right things, and you're lowering the cost of health care overall to that insurance company, that insurance company then should be able to provide some reward and incentive by either adding to your HSA account or doing some other things by reducing your deductible or adding additional benefits for vision or dental or whatever else uh, they want to do to be creative to encourage and reward uh, good behaviors, good healthy behaviors that are saving the system money. But when you save the system money with individual policies, who are you really saving the money for? The risk-bearing entity, and that's the individual insurance company that offers that plan. So they ought to be emphasized and encouraged to provide rewards and incentives, and there are state laws today that would prevent that. So the RSC should add that to their profile of how to expand HSAs by allowing for rewards and incentives as well. And that would not count against the top limit, that you can add rewards and incentives that are outside those top limits so that you could pay for premiums and have additional dollars to pay for deductibles and coinsurance that might apply. Furthermore, as in the supercharged environment, the uh, flexible spending accounts and HRA balances can be converted into a health savings account. So if an employer has set up an HRA and is making contributions to that, um, that is tax advantage to the employee, but it has restrictions. It can only be used for health care, and there are restrictions on the use of those dollars. So uh, the Republican Study Committee says, okay, once those dollars are established through an HRA, they can ultimately be converted uh, into HSA. So there's a lot of different ways that all this can be done and accomplished, and uh, it's a great start for the Republican Study Committee to do, do this and to put these proposals on the table. Um, a lot of them are detailed. A lot of them are not necessarily fully understood. I'm not sure it creates a, um, an elevator uh, description that the public will easily understand, uh, but I think they're moving in the right direction, and it's a lot better than uh, anything that's been on the table before that I've seen. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details, but in addition to what they've described so far, there are other creative, inventive approaches that the Republican Study Committee wants the states to allow through um, new uh, legislation and regulations to promote areas. For example, promoting areas like um, primary care services, promoting uh, health um, uh, sharing ministries. There are various ways that states could change some of the laws and regulations to promote that. There are areas around association health plans that they're encouraging. Um, there's a very interesting one I'll just touch on quickly uh, that's in their recommendations, and that's what's called a health status 
insurance. We touched on that in one of the earlier segments of this uh, this hour's program. Uh, but basically what the health um, status insurance is, is if you are healthy and buy, a, say, a high deductible health plan, you then can also buy health status insurance so that if somewhere down the road, next year, five years, ten years from now, you actually have a significant uh, health care need and you really need higher coverage, you're uninsurable for that higher coverage. The insurance company won't let you upgrade your policy when you get sick. But if you buy this health status insurance, that is what it does. It allows you to upgrade your policy at the time that you might need it. So it's insurance for insurance. Um, and so it's a really great concept. And it hasn't been used very much in the past, but there is an example where United Healthcare Group um, developed sort of a, a first-of-its-kind policy in this area, and the product allowed the right to buy an individual policy at some point in the future, even after one becomes sick. So I think that policy may have been not just upgrading, but if you were uninsured or wanted to go uninsured, you can buy an insurance policy that would allow you to purchase something down the road. A similar concept to being able to upgrade. So there are ideas out there, and what the Republican Study Committee is trying to do is to get companies to be creative, inventive, and change the tax laws, change the regulations in the states, change the laws in the state, and kind of promote new ideas. There's so many things that come out if we just get rid of some of the regulations that are preventing that kind of creativity. And the consumers would be the big beneficiaries of having new alternatives and new approaches, new prices, new choices, so they can get the care they want, when they want it, how they want it, at the affordable cost that they're expecting. And it is a win, 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 win all the way around for everybody. So thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Insight. I hope you'll come back again. We are on Thursdays at 11 o'clock every week. So come back and join us, and we'll keep talking about the latest and greatest issues on healthcare reform. There's going to be a lot more talked about this year. It's an election year, and you know that health care is going to be a hot topic. There's going to be new proposals, going to be new ideas, and you can keep up with all that and get a quick insight by just listening to this program at 11 o'clock every Thursday on America's Web Radio. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.